Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Welcome to Product Coffee. Today we have a wonderful guest on the show today, David Pereira. He is a product leader in the space and um, uh, he reached out to us over um, our voice message and thought we should collaborate on a topic and chat about, um, you know, just just riff on some some ideas we have. So um, the topic of today is prioritization. So we're going to talk about that. How do we kind of prioritize um, and um, what best practices we can we can share with others. Um, but with that, David, thanks for coming to the show today. Thank you for having me here, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, you pronounced my name pretty well. That's so good. <laughs> oh, you're being too kind. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, uh, David, so talk to me about prioritization. Um, I know that's a thing on top of a lot of product leaders' minds, um, you know, frequently, like how, how best to prioritize. There's never one silver bullet and there's, there's tools and tricks that everyone has up their sleeves. So um, how do you do this? This is a super interesting question. And uh, what comes to the top of my mind is recently I have seen a lot of people asking, like, which is the best prioritization technique? What should I follow? And so on. And... Uh, you know, I learned how to prioritize by doing everything incorrectly. Uh, and the point is, do you already have a vision? Do you have clarity where you want to go? What, what are you pursuing right now? And this is a question I think we should answer before we talk about prioritization. Because what I have observed, many people jump into a backlog level. See, which items come first, which items come last? And they want to prioritize in this direction but they lack a product vision, they lack, um, or whatever it is, a goal, like you can point and say, whatever I'm going to do, does it contribute to that or not? If not, let's not put this on our prioritization method right now. So you're talking even upstream, right? Like how do things even make it to the list is yeah. it has to be aligned with where we're going. Right. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what, uh, from your experience, have you seen teams attempt to prioritize roadmaps without that North Star or that um, flag in the sand? Oh, that, is a, that is the most horrible thing you can imagine because it becomes a hyper-arbitrary discussion, highly opinionated. And generally, right. I see, like, uh, imagine you have a, a bunch of stakeholders and they want something, and then you don't have that thing seen our North Star. And then you should ask, like, okay, why is it beneficial? And then the discussion is abstract. It's like one stakeholder says it's beneficial because potentially it will increase our sales. And the other may say, 
But potentially, this one will reduce our customer call service, and it may reduce, for example, the the troubles we have uh, with uh, legal uh, lawsuits potentially, and so on. And then you say, okay, but what matters right now? And if you yeah. don't know how to answer this, what I have seen it kind of descend into either pleasing everyone, do a little bit of everything and then end up pleasing no one and you don't get mm. value in the end or someone who has a high influence may get support by uh, top level management and this person gets a, a big portion of the cake. But still, mm. you prioritize by compromise, not by what it makes sense because you don't know what makes more sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what, when you get into a situation like that, how do you actually, how have you experienced kind of centering in on a vision or, or going through that exercise, uh, you know, back out of that long Gantt uh, or list of roadmaps that we, uh, is that we have to then say, here's our North Star. Yes. Um, I have been in this situation several times, uh, there are two that come to my mind right now. One happened when I was still in Brazil. It was, uh, let's say, a scale-up um, uh, place. And uh, we had, like, we were, we were already in our Series B. We were growing quite significantly. And then this, uh, we had, like, three CEOs, like, co-CEOs. So and then they presented our list. And they started saying... For this quarter, we're going to build a new checkout and we will also have a, we will imp improve our notification system and implement a, a higher performance search. And the list went on and on and on. And then I, I said, well, I see a lot of bunch, uh, a lot of interesting things here, but I, I'm missing the connection. What is their contribution to go? So well, our goal is simple. We want to grow, scale up, and then we can get more investment. I said, it's everyone's goal. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, oh, that's quite interesting. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I, said, I, I you know, I, I'm a guy who likes answering questions. So uh, asking questions. So I'm going to ask you one mm. thing. What is the most relevant problem we have right now? And then there was a big silence. I said, oh, actually, now we, we have a lot of things to improve and start going this abstract direction. I said, but what is the problem that if we solve this right now, our business will be in a better place? What is the mm. first thing? And funny enough, an intern from the marketing area said, well, I'm an intern. If you don't like what I'm going to say, you can fire me or whatever. But the thing is the following. Our customer acquisition cost is dramatically high. And our customer lifetime value is dramatically low. It means no matter what we do, our business is unsustainable. Boom, silent in the room. And that triggered something. And one of the CEOs said, why are you saying that? At this moment, we know we are buying revenue. It is clear mm -hmm. to everyone. And she said, well, we can buy revenue, but have you checked? The, we are paying three times what the customer lifetime is, uh, value is. Shouldn't we be thinking on how to either increase the lifetime value or how to reduce the acquisition costs or explore new channels or something right. like this. And that transformed the directions from what is called as a Christmas wish list to, aha, we found the problem that is worth solving. We have like a, whatever we're doing now, we're just buying revenue, but 
you know, you cannot keep doing that for the rest of your life. You need to have a strategy and we lack the strategy for that. Yeah, absolutely. So then, so when you, and so that's interesting, you, you kind of approach it at the, you know, does anyone in the organization have an idea of what uh, the most important problem is to solve, essentially, what problem are we solving? And then you kind of now identified the opportunity at hand to say, here is interesting enough problem to solve that is more crisp and clear. And then we can actually, you know, orient a uh, initiative list against because we have this North Star vision. And so when, when you do have that, now talk to me what happens next. And that is the, the funny part. The CEO looking at me, well, you caused the trouble. Now you're going to solve. We don't have any plan towards this. So what are we going to focus on the next quarter? And I said, we don't need a plan. We have a lot of smart people here. Let's just brainstorm what could contribute to this. Let's just do an open brainstorm. And then I organized mm -hmm. that. We, we had a brainstorm. And I said, okay, we have a bunch of ideas. How do we prioritize? And I said something, for me, simplicity is always the key. Because someone was saying, ah, there's a technique I know that is called rice. And rice is, mm. we can't just put the score for everything and so on. I said, let me try something. I like simplicity. And you know what we did? I just drew, uh, it was still, you know, working uh, offline. Mm -hmm. I went to the wall. I drew a matrix. And I said, this line here is what we expect to be the potential outcome. And this other mm. line is easiness of implementation. And then I drew four quadrants. said, if it is uh, hard to implement and low outcome, this is a time waster. So we will invest a lot of time and we get little of that. said, if it is easy to implement, but it is a low expected outcome, it's just a nice to have. Challenge is if we put a lot of attention to this, we may get a lot of things done and little value. So we need to be careful with this. So then we have the ones I like the most. I said the one I call here as a bet because it's high expected outcome and uh, it's also uh, a high effort. It's complicated. Too. But if mm. we do it right, we may be surprised. And I said we have the low hanging fruits. And if mm. you find this, we should try it out because here there are potential ideas. And then they said, it looks nice, but it's too simple. Mm. And then I said, that's the thing. Simplicity mm -hmm. is the key of being agile. We just need to use what we know to discover what we don't know. We said, mm. And now let's, uh, let's try to get the direction here and, and see. So let, and let's layer on the... Uh -huh. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you can, you can say yeah, so let's layer on some complexity to the simplicity. So we have a two by two. You have essentially a low high outcome and then low high effort um, to to implement. We we now have let, let's say we have twenty different ideas, but then in the quadrant of our low hanging fruit, we then have ten ideas um, that fall within that quadrant. Now what? And then that's what uh, it happened. We we came to. I think back then was three low hanging fruit and around mm -hmm. five or six pets. And what I said is we have three product teams. Let's see what we, I said with the bands, let's run a design sprint and see what we can learn from that. And then we decide if we want to invest further and mm -hmm. if it makes sense, 
we go further. If it doesn't, we drop the idea and we pick something else. The mm -hmm. thing is generate learning at this moment. So I told them, mm -hmm. I'm not promising you anything. Now we, we will generate learn and then we figure out the opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we distributed some ideas uh, with the product teams and some we said, this we are not pursuing now. We may come mm -hmm. back after we validate the other ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we did. We, we focus uh, uh, some low-hanging fruits uh, and we tried different initiatives. Mm. Yeah, got to love it. So, so you have these three and then you kind of go pursue design sprints with the three and then, you know, there, there's not necessarily a sequence you mentioned in that. Like, do you tackle one after the other? Just randomly pick one because they're short enough that it's, you know, it's, you know, you learn and then you, you, you build a more uh, um, context around this, this idea. Yeah. And what, what I really like on this all exercises because we had people from different department and what uh, like made us follow the path it was one one guy from customer service said, I'm not sure if you know, guys, but we receive a lot of good reviews. So most of our NPS, uh, they are uh, eight or higher. So most all mm. of them. I said, here, there's something. People like what we do. So they most potentially are willing to recommend us to their friend. I said, this is a bet. It's not, it won't be a trivial implementation, but if this works, maybe we can do something about it. And then a guy from market at the same time said, it's very simple. We just make them share their, uh, their love for wine and we go for exclusivity. And then he out of the, uh, the like spontaneously, he just said, oh, take a look at the market campaign, share your passion for wine. You bring your friend here, your friend and you get a bottle of wine to share. And this bottle, nobody can buy it. And, mm. uh, and I said, well, okay, but how are you going to do it? How, how is that going to be uh, interesting? He said, it, we, we can buy some, some uh, we can just, uh, limit some wines to this thing. And that will be actually four times the cost of our customer acquisition cost if we make this work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I saw the opportunity and so I said, let's run a design sprint. And the truth is, in the beginning, it sucked dramatically. Customers didn't understand anything we wanted to say, but I saw the willingness of sharing. But then we had to pivot because our initial solution didn't resonate, but the mm -hmm. willingness, oh, but we proved something. They were really yeah. willing to bring their friends. Got it. Okay, so you learned something from that that would then seed the next idea and keep you guys as agile as possible. Yeah. Right. Love that, yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about a, a different approach to this because I, I love the simplicity behind it. But let's talk within a larger organization. Let's say they have you know uh, uh, a team of five to ten PMs in different you know pods within that within that framework and that structure. And there's all these ideas on the table in, in a uniformed product roadmap. And we take this simplicity approach with a two by two prioritization. Um, we maybe can, you know, what else can we do to essentially help allocate the work uh, appropriately or, or, you know, get that right level of priority for each of the PMs to focus on? Mm -hmm. and, and this is, uh, this is a good question because it depends a lot how the teams are set up. Yeah. Because sometimes the structure gets dramatically in the way of doing this mm -hmm. because it can be, for example, 
the structure is component teams. So uh, mm-hmm. if you take a simple e-commerce, a team is highly focused uh, on the uh, on the cart, and the other is focused uh, on the search, and the other is is focused on the pin system, like mm-hmm. product information management. Mm-hmm. And what what I what I, f- I found once in one of the e-commerce I worked, uh, I tried to do this approach, and we identify some things, and I try to say, okay, let's see where we can spread in the team. But it turned out that the teams could only work on their product, and then we made compromise, which I'm not happy with. For example, the pin system, mm. a pin was working perfectly. We didn't have any issue with this, but that team could only work on the pin because that was their responsibility and we had mm. to find something for them to do. So this is when it, inv- yeah. you know, it, it inverses thing. And I say like, uh, uh, the truth is, uh, like if you look at a dog, mm-hmm. a dog walks and, and can just wag the tail, but the, the tail cannot wag the dog. And in this case, I said, ah, so uh, the structure defines what the business does. That makes no sense. Right. But sometimes that's how it is in companies. Yeah, so we we talked about like let's maybe talk about an ideal scenario then. So let's say you have autonomy and, and empowerment to to evolve the topology based on the strategy. How do you do that with this prioritization approach? Like what? How would you organize the teams to uh, um, accomplish the these set of priorities? Uh, in this case, uh, if we have a bigger team. Uh... What I would appreciate doing is like having uh, OKRs, like having objectives, and then define mm. key results. And then each team could tackle a different key result and be accountable for that. But the team needs to come with the key result for the objective because you can own uh, what I observe. You you only become accountable if you are part of that. And part of right. it's not part being of involved. It's part mm. of building. You know your words are there, like uh, your passion is there. So in this case, I would start with objective uh, aligned with management, go, go down to key results. And sometimes two or more teams can work on the same results within different ideas. This is fine. Mm, yeah. uh, so I, I think this would be a strategy of streaming down. I would not try to put everything on the same, uh, same basket. I think the teams would have different key results to, to tackle, mm. maybe even different objectives, if it makes sense, for the comp- depending on how big the organization is. Yeah. Uh, I would use uh, objective key results and spread yes. down. So, and in, in that scenario, you're saying that product leadership potentially collaborates with the executive team on the objective um, potentially some measurements of success, then then what do you share that with the team and the teams develop the KRs or do you initially have a proposal of OKRs that you present and then the team refines it? Ideally, the direction comes from the management and I think Got this it. is where, where it could be. Well, a clear example yeah. happened with me also in Brazil. We had, it was not 10 product teams, but we had five. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what the... Uh, and the organization wanted was to to grow in certain customer segments. So mm-hmm. we were a B two B two C, and and it's you know when you have a totally different audience, you need a team focus on, on the B two B and the other on the part uh, because it's different. And what the organization mm-hmm. wanted was to have a sustainable business on the part of B2B. It was a market like we help car owners sell their cars. That's it. And we, what did we do? We connected uh, people who want to sell their cars with dealers all over Brazil. 
So the business mm. uh, users were dealers, and then we had the customers. And for the dealers part, our goal was to ensure that our, uh, what was the objective? We always present a fair offer to the car owner. And that was a goal. And how, how do you come with key results? We have a, uh, quadrupled uh, the number of dealers participating in auctions. How do mm. you get that? So feel free to do uh, as many initiatives as you want. And on the other hand, like uh, we uh, for, the, for the car owners, we wanted to, to make that happen. They make business with us and objectives uh, were like, uh, we have go a good NPS rate and car on. I think we also wanted to increase the conversion rate. And then mm -hmm. we had three teams working on, on the dealer side and two teams working on, on the other side. Management came with the objectives and mm -hmm. then they, they gave time to the product teams to work on potential key results and present it to them. And then they challenged. Uh, and I said, the, the challenging question, can you commit to that? Because if mm. you commit, I will hold you accountable for the result. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So in that scenario, okay, then management came with the objectives. What, what was the, you know, you can leave specifics out of it, but what, what was an example of an objective that management came to the product team? Like, let's walk through that scenario a little bit and see, you know, how, how we can tangibly put that into action. Mm -hmm. So the objective uh, management came. Uh, I don't remember exactly the word. So the challenge yeah. we were suffering was the dealers were not really engaging on the auction. So it okay. was not competitive. And what mm -hmm. they said is objective. Our auctions are competitive. So that was an objective uh, because mm -hmm. what, hap uh, what happened is like, Honestly, in the beginning, we had one or two dealers in the auction. So it means there's no competition. You place a bid and maybe the other doesn't. Interest. So there's no competition. So it's our auctions are competitive so that we create valuable offers. Mm. So that was the objective. And it's abstract if you look into this. Yeah, yeah. We need to repair this auction process. It's not working today, essentially. Yes, or exactly. Yeah, yeah, but at least it gave us a direction. What was sure. more important yeah. for us? Like, uh, was it more important to have a new app? What and from what we notice is uh, dealers are not engaged. So we need to ensure uh, to understand why they are not engaged. And we put so that was that more of the objective then that dealers weren't engaged essentially. Exactly. So, so yeah. they are not engaged because we indeed. I said two dealers were participating, but in our platform, we had 500. And online, sometimes we had 50 and participating bids maximum of a five. And that was mm -hmm. clear a problem. And uh, we said, like, dealers online in the platform, at least 30% of them are engaging in uh, placing bids. So that was uh, the key result. And the teams went out to to figure out what was holding dealers back from placing bids. So, and you see, it's totally different train of thought. Instead of implementing an app or a feature or whatever it, it is, we wanted to understand the scenario of the, the dealer. And then from that, we came with potential ideas. And then we wanted to validate the ideas. So that's how we, we went. Love it, love it. Um, and then, so when you went down this path, 
I think the interesting piece that might be missing from this conversation is that, okay, the objective, you have a W method essentially of, you know, top down, bottom up, then you refine and commit where I'm missing the gap. There is like the topology framework. Some teams are organized around the components that they manage, like to your point, which is not maybe ideal, but what about if those are fungible, like those teams can then organize around these KRs and what about the staffing mismatches? So like the resources able to get the job done in some of this. So for example, let's say that we've identified an objective that these um, drivers aren't engaged um, enough and we need to go improve engagement, um, which will lead to retention, X, Y, Z, all these other ancillary uh, factors. Now, Team one, they take this, they work through a KR that they can potentially, you know, uh, indicate measurement or progress to that objective. Let's say that um, they want to increase sessions per day per um, uh, driver, right? Um, Okay, so there's one metric that they have. They have some baseline of where it is today and where they want to take this. Now, what about the ideas that they then brainstorm and commit to within that time frame? How does that actually, how does that process then work? Like, are they, um, yeah, what's that next step, right? After they go through that. The next step happened in a different way. The idea didn't come from me. But the moment we had enough validated ideas and we had clarity on the investment we wanted to make, what turns out is if we would go with our current, let's say, team setup, uh, it would be suboptimal because some team had more resource than the others. And right, yes, that's so it. yeah. The solution might be a little funny, but uh, let's say we didn't have a head of product back then. We 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 reported mm. all to the CEO. The idea was like we wrote the objectives and we said for this objective we need four developers and one ux and one ui for these we need three developers that was what we expected who is up for the challenge and we let the teams figure out and self-organize and they negotiated among themselves this is a challenge i am connected to and it motivates me to go there mm-hmm. were some fights because there was some things uh, regarding auction and some people were not so interested in auction they were more interested in building an apps and so on so mm. but but we let them figure it out and we said here's the following we believe we are self uh, organized teams and to be self organized we should have the flexibility so that's what mm. the, uh, the management came on put the names and said yeah time to decide who is going to do what but i'm not going to tell you you decide mm. Yeah, I like that. So at that point, you, the the company essentially can be more empowered because the things that they're organizing around are all important, right? There's not necessarily... Well, yeah, I'm curious, did you run into any situations where one team like maybe went to something that was more interesting, like the app development as opposed to an auction? And but that wasn't really the the value, like the importance of the value. Yeah, we went into this. Uh, there were some front ends 
who were super interested in the, mm. uh, the client side. So they wanted to, no, the, uh, the, I would say the customer side, they wanted to build mm. like the website, the conversion funnel, beautiful things. So I don't want really to work for this dealer. It, right. I, I, <laughs> and I said, well, somebody gets a need to get this job done. And they said, I'm fine doing that. Uh, because there was a conflict between the front ends. I'm mm. fine doing that. But next quarter, when we are having this conversation, if we come to the same point, I'm going to take the, I don't remember what he said. He said something, I'm going to take the uh, the filet mignon and you are going to take uh, uh, the other thing. So the filet mignon goes to me next time. Can we can we agree on that? This time I mm. commit to, to, to this dealer platform or whatever it's you call it. trade-offs essentially. Yeah. 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 But the team made yeah. a trade-off. And that was the moment I said, uh-huh. yeah, if they can figure out and nobody's telling them, it will work because they uh, they are uh, they are feeling flexible to do that. And uh, that's how it worked. In Very general. interesting. So so talk to me more about the communication around this. So you know, this is kind of a shift. I mean, most companies aren't, you know, used to working in this, this capacity, you know, we're, we're kind of rolling new empowered product team models out and people are getting more and more aware of the importance of product led organizations and, and structuring in this fashion and, and working in this fashion. But, but talk to me, one of the friction points I've experienced was the communication around this and not just like the selling of the concept, but the, the visual of understanding what teams are working on and when to expect something. So I see this with feature sales driven companies and that are trying to be more product led that they really, you know, where's the roadmap? We want to see a Gantt chart of like, here's the, you know, here's when I can expect this to go sell this to clients. And so where, yeah, put that hat on for a little bit and talk me through, uh, those uh, challenges and, and ways that you've solved it. Yeah, this is always a massive challenge in, uh, when, let's say, we have the traditional mindset. And what yeah. I try to say is like, it depends when we have the information because we cannot commit to something when we don't have the information. The, at best, we can say yeah. how much investment we are going to put in something. And the Gantt chart will reflect the amount of investment, but it cannot be committed on a feature delivery. We can say like, where in a look at e-commerce, for example, you can say people say about recommendations and so on, and the, the, this engine because everyone has it. I think you can decide on the direction you want to go. So, what mm-hmm. do you want to put effort and say? Here's the direction we want to go, and for this initiative, we're going to invest uh, three months, for example, and whatever comes out of that, uh, we will only learn once we start getting our hands dirty. So I try to be very honest. I say yeah. estimating and uh, trying to def- define something upfront when we don't have the information, it's just lying to ourselves that to, right. we are going to generate value. Yeah, you're putting that team, uh, yeah, setting them up for failure, essentially. Exactly. So what, what, where's the balance of more of the discovery type of work versus the execution? Like, so let's say we have learned enough to... Mm-hmm. Um, share that level of detail versus there is still a percentage of the work that's more discovery and, and validation. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I think that discovery is when we have the idea level, we should invest, um, let's say we have a quarter. So mm-hmm. a quarter, we are talking about 12 weeks. And and these 12 weeks, 
I think the discovery phase should be intense in the very beginning. And uh, what I have learned is if we do like three design sprints in different moments, um, it, it turns to be generally enough. I'm not saying that the beginning is only design sprint. We do one design sprint, we, mm. we gain clarity on something, and then we start testing ideas and developing. But I tend to think that 20% of our investment goes to discovery. And I wouldn't say 80% goes to implementation because um, this is what happens. There is a conflict between uh, discovery, product development, and then there's something people don't realize, which is uh, the technical debt. And that is uh, left all over increasing. So what I like saying is something that I got from, from my friends from Value Rebels, start with discovery, invest 20% there. And then the development in the beginning, we take a, a loan from the, from the technical debt bank and we are not going to build perfectly. We want to put that in the market as soon as possible. And then once we prove people are, are using that and creating value for them and for the business, then we make this solution scalable, sustainable, or whatever it is. We fix the technical debt. And we only take the next item on our Discover pipeline once we have made the solution properly. So that's that's my approach. And if we realize the solution after putting the market didn't work, we don't invest more time and we kill it. And then we don't need to make it technically, uh, uh, let's say, uh, maintainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So then, um, right. So we twenty percent of our time in discovery. Second step is incur tech debt to drive market as fast as possible. Third is to invest into technical debt for scaling if um, it is having the desired outcome that we had planned initially. Um, and then, you know, where does go to market fit within this? How do you how do you position that? Um, I, I go in, in uh, scaling, so I start uh, trying to identify first. Like uh, it, it, it really depends. If you already have a business, you know who your early adopters are. So you target right. them, and they are willing to have something, let's say, uh, buggy. It really depends. Uh, but if you don't have a product at all, then I would target a very specific market uh, within the uh, student after discovery. And then after that, as it proves, I, I start scaling up the solution and still uh, developing. And once it, it confirms the expected outcome, then it's the moment uh, to mm. solve the technical debt and so on. But I, um, I, I, I try to use this balance, 20% discovery. And then during generally, if it, uh, the first is 30%, I would say for 50% of the investment, we can have a more solid go-to-market, but um, sometimes even the 35 40%, it depends on the initiative, but as fast as possible, validating the yeah. idea. So once basically once the idea is validated, the go-to-market process kind of kicks off, or at least yeah. you, know, you have some uh, inkling of you know, what market materials we'll need to put together because at that point, then we validated the solution. So where it's really as a part of that technical scaling is essentially GTM as well. Yes, I would say like that because the technical scale is we're comfortable with this solution. Now we need to make it work and make it work. It's not only technically what our market material and everything that will help us grow to the potential of the solution. Love that. Yeah. 
that's a great way to look at it. Love it. Um, well, what other techniques like, so when you, let, let's talk more about the effectiveness of the outcome that this drove. So when you go through this scenario, you, you've essentially you know, started from a place of a emotionally driven roadmap where with no direction to now a clear direction and an outcome driven roadmap that, um, you know, you, you're, you're being creative, you're discovering, you're, you're executing and you're scaling. Now, what actually, what impact did that shift have within the organization? Like, was there anything that you were able to measure to say, well, like, for example, EMPS, or did it actually drive the intended uh, uh, decrease of CAC and, and, and increase of LTV? Um, any kind of success stories you have in terms of measurement out of that? Sure. I, I have this on both. Um Going back to, to the first one, Avino, which was the one e-commerce, our uh, customer acquisition cost was three times the customer lifetime value. And actually, we created one initiative that was three times cheaper. And within time, that balanced by reducing our CAC by 50% in total, because we had several, uh, several channels and in total got 50%. Still, we wouldn't be uh, uh, scalable, but that was a step closer than, well, well, some steps closer. And this is in the outcome level. Um, And this had also uh, another effect that we started as a team feel accountable because the discussions were different inside the team. The team was saying, no, come on, how does this contribute to our CAC reduction. Mm. I don't see the connection. I saw developer challenging the other. So why are you talking about this now? Someone wanted to improve, for example, our, we had a, a feature um, to put your wish list and so on and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it it was not so well used. And someone said, no, maybe we optimize this to make it a, a more beautiful, more usable. I said, why? why? No, 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 no. That's not yeah. our goal. Let's focus here. And uh, I, I could feel like uh, the team on fire, they were accountable because, uh, you know, what I hate when I'm a PM is like, I need to play police. I don't like playing police, mm. like uh, to ensure like our agreements are held up. I didn't need to do any of this because the team felt accountable. And also it reduced the amount of people leaving the company because before they, the, because developers, you know, there's work for them, whatever they want. And in this case, they were not implementing features. They were not trapped in a vicious circle. Mm. They were solving something that for them was like a challenge. I'm not talking about the purpose of that. Some people really liked wine, so they enjoyed selling my wine all yeah, over Brazil. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. But for them, it was a challenge. It's like, can we really reach this goal? Does not can right. we implement this feature? It is a different talk. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Um, so yeah, so not just, you know, um, qualitatively, um, where you're, you're hearing this feedback in this, this way of working in this, this, um, culture shift, but you also have the actual measurement that this, you know, impacted, right? Like the, the measurement that mattered, we actually, you know, were able to move. Yep. Yeah. But that. it's one thing is, uh, Freedom is great, but it comes a lot of responsibilities and people yeah. misunderstand because some people don't like working this way. 
because it's different. Like who is making the decision? And when you receive a roadmap, highly prescriptive with features, you implement the features, and whatever mm-hmm. happens, you didn't it's make easier, the call. And, yeah, yeah. There's less critical thought in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. So, so in um, uh, it's an interesting um way to look at that. I think um, one one thing I. I think a lot of product leaders struggle with as they become, they, they put, you know, they're, they're uh, put into that product leader role, the head of product, the VP of product coming into an organization that is not quite working as optimally as what we just described and then transitioning them to working more optimally. I, I find it, um, you know, me personally, I've experienced this, but others as well, just having a difficult time selling them on that concept, this idea initially to, to actually go and do these things. And so where, like, what was your, what was your learnings that you, you know, uh, um, acquired that, that helped you, um, you know, sell this effectively to leadership, this concept? I think, um, you need to to show all you want is to help. You should, you disagree, but in, it, you disagree with the strategy, but you you don't say this is wrong or right. You try to help them see different things and need to be mm. brave and trust like on your questions. Like, and if your questions are genuinely connected to the well-being of the organization and growing, people tend to listen. So that's that's what I noticed. And sometimes you need to be a little bit rebellious uh, and try to read between the lines. Mm. Yeah, because if you try to convince people, there will be an argument. But sometimes if you can understand what is the underlying goal they want to achieve and you prove with results, they will listen to you because results yeah. will talk. Uh, right. So we need to see where you stand. And the example I said, so, I saw yeah. an openness. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. So in that example, you're saying that, you know, there was this list of things and then we said what is the most important problem to solve here? And then, you know, you aligned on CAC and LTV ratio. Um, and, and then it just all became oriented around how we solve that problem. Yeah. And, and so in, in this scenario where, you know, you're coming into an organization with that list, what is the most important problem to solve? How do you work backwards from that list to then say, here are all the outcomes essentially we want to drive or the problems we're trying to solve. And then you can maybe work backwards from it. Have you ever approached it that way? Uh, I approached it in a, in, in a similar way. Um, when I received a very prescriptive roadmap, I said, it is the same. A lot of people put a lot of thoughts on, on this to make this decision. Uh, the only thing is I am feeling a bit ignorant here because I don't really know what you want to achieve with this. And I would appreciate getting to know that because I, I, as a product manager, I am mm. responsible for this and I, to right. be responsible, I need to stand behind it and know. And, and then because I, I, I showed curiosity and I showed I need this for my work, mm. then we could come with a, this, uh, an open uh, approach where they share the decisions behind and then based on that, I said, well, I am still unclear which uh, is the value one to generate with that. And I need to tell you, you hired me to deliver value. And as a product manager, mm. I am not seeing this here. And I don't mm. want to waste your resource on something 
I don't believe. So mm. I would appreciate if we could have a conversation, understand what is the goal, the, what are the goals we want to achieve in this company? What, what is needed for us? So I think it's about showing curiosity yeah. and you need to take a stand and say, look, you hired me to be the specialist. And now you're telling me what to do in my work. I, I just want to, to, to mm. share, I can do my work and I am not here just to execute things and implement. Yeah. Love that. So in that, in that scenario, then, um, you know, you're, you're kind of essentially having a briefing or, or what have you with that, that, um, executive or, or the owner of that, that long list and, you know, why, you know, you're getting to the why, um, why do we want to go invest in this sequence and where's the value? What are the most important things to what problems are we solving, but also what are the most important levers we're trying to move in order to grow the business and, um, having that same common understanding and then approaching it from, those problems or levers or um, outcomes that you want to drive and then thinking about the execution differently, right? Yes. Or proposing the way um, the, the, this execution process. Yes. Well, uh, David, uh, what, what kind of, uh, after our talk, what kind of homework would you give to our listeners that are, um, you know, hearing this? My suggestion is like, look at your backlog and think when you read that, Can you tell what you want to achieve from that? Do your homework and then just try things. To try to talk and understand the outcome and take a stand. You are the responsible. And for product managers, what I learned is if we want to succeed, we need to, to take the driving seat. If we let the others take that and we sit on the passenger, maybe easier, yeah. but that will not help us get where we want. Absolutely. Um, where have you found it most, you know, more tactically, if let's say we have a PM or, or some PMs that are listening to this, that have that roadmap in front of them today and haven't gotten to that, that, that over the line, um, you know, uh, mind shift that we're talking about today, where, you know, a after getting the understanding, um, let's say they were executing on a project that came into our company and was like, Hey, here's your project now, go, go do it. Right. Um, and trying to get to that understanding, what is that level of understanding that makes that can shift the mind? So let's say that we have an initiative and an individual got picked up mid flight and they're working backwards to say, well, what was the purpose of this initiative? And you're trying to get at the outcome that was desired or the problem. Is it a problem that you're looking for to define like, or, or is this an outcome that you want to define to then shift the mindset? I want to identify uh, like uh, the problem itself, but not only the problem, like, because not all problems are worth solving. So right. I want to, to identify like, what is the underlying problem we want to solve? And what do we get by solving that? What the end user will get? Why is it important for, for the end user? And what will we get in return as a company? So th this is the intersection I'm trying to see, like uh, what is neat. But first, first understanding the problem. And uh, one tip I give to uh, to product managers, even in my team, I love asking why. But why is a bit tricky because put people on on defensive because it's doubt, mm. it's like doubting them. Right, right. I like asking like, hmm, and show appreciation. I see you, you thought about, it, but. Uh, what is it in it? What is that for? What do you want to solve with mm -hmm. that? 
You yeah. were asking the why, which uh, so identifying the problem. And then you say, oh, what would you expect to cause? Uh, what change would cause in the end user's life? I try mm. to think a lot on the progress because for me, it's like people have some, some hurdles, some problems they want to, and how does this help them progress? In the example of Brazil, people have problems selling their cars. It's bureaucratic, it's full of scam. So it, it, it's easy to fall into a trap. So this is the challenge. And if we help them sell the cars faster with a good offer, mm. so it's good for, for them. So that, that is why they would be willing to pay a premium if we could make that happen. Love it. Well, um, I love, thank you so much for um, sharing, sharing some homework and some thoughts around prioritization in this process. I think, you know, just to add on to that, any, any homework I'd like to give is probably if you don't have this um, roadmap today, or, or even if you do, actually, that might be a better uh, approach is to just put them all on a list, all those ideas, and then um, right next to it, um, right. What, what David, uh, um, um, and I were chatting about what was that problem or customer, let's use a user position problem to solve here in that next column and see what kind of overlap you have, start to build out the value of solving that problem. And maybe that's quantitatively, um, you can put a value against solving that problem eventually. But I think you can probably start to see a theme of overlap of these ideas are solving the same problem. Or, you know, we have this common theme that we're all trying to get towards, or you can kind of then to start to shift the mindset a little bit in the organization and share out your learnings as well with others. So, um, yeah, great. Well, David, where can uh, our listeners find you? You can find me on my website, d-pereira.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can con- I really like exchange of people. You can add me there and you find my content on, on Medium. So I'm um, my website is everything for free, so you find everything uh, about me. And uh, on Medium, you can find more content as well. Awesome. Yeah, we, I read uh, a bunch of David's articles on Medium. He's got a lot of good stuff there. So um, we'll add those links into the description of this episode as well. So you can just click that and go check him out. Um, and feel free to, you know, in the, in the comments of uh, LinkedIn or, or Instagram or what have you, um, ask David a question and, and we'll relay that to him. Um, anything that he can help, um, you know, or, or uh, help answer, you know, but we'll make sure that we uh, relay the question and, and see, um, and get you some answers. So thank you so much for uh, being on the show, David. I appreciate your time. Thank you a lot. It was a pleasure to exchange with you. Yeah. Um, it looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.